My next guest is a shining example of what it means to realize your dreams at any age. She has beat the odds and truly understands the importance of making the most of her time in the world. From being a role model to her family to changing the lives of people around the world, her life is undeniable. Yet she remains humble and grateful. Coming up next on the 40 Plus Files, CEO, speaker, actress, philanthropist, and multi-award winning, disruptive, global change maker, Dr. Pearl Jarrett. Women over 40. Welcome to the show, Dr. Jared. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. I just have to tell you, I'm so excited to talk to you today. And you are the first international guest that I've had on the show. <laughs> so In that's true big... pioneering fashion. Good. Oh, I love it. I, absolutely. And <laughs> I must I must tell you, I love your accent. <laughs> My daughter, what's so funny is that she can nail a British accent. Oh, really? Years old. And, <laughs> you know, kids that these days, you know, they have all kinds of, you know. That's right. So, That's right. Mm-hmm. yes, your accent Very is lovely. Talented. Yeah, she would be really excited to just hear you talk. So, <laughs> oh, <thanks>. oh. <laughs> okay. So, I'm going to start off by asking you a question that I ask all of my guests. Okay. How did you view aging or growing older when you were in your 20s? Oh my goodness. When I was in my 20s, I didn't even think about aging. When, when people just come and just give me, oh, you need to take out insurance, I'm like, what for? You know, just, <laughs> you know, you know, and, and pensions and stuff like that. I'm thinking, why do I need a pension? And you live as if to say, you're only living for today. Mm-hmm. You know, it's only about today, it's about Monday. You know, it's it's not about next week or next year or anything like that. It's about today. So um, I think I really didn't take aging very seriously in my 20s, to be honest. Okay. Yeah, yeah that's a common answer. I think we're 20-something. We're footloose and fancy free. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. What am I going to eat today? That's the, that's the main thing. <laughs> right. Yeah, so since the show is called The 40 Plus Files, mm. what was your biggest epiphany after you turned 40 or 50 even? Oh my gosh, I remember turning 40 and just going into depression. Do you know what? I look back over my life and I thought to myself when I was 40, what have you done? Mm. You've done nothing. And I put everything in, I lumped everything into this little box and it was career driven and I just thought you have a dead-end career you're not going anywhere it's what have you done and I and I and I I really decided to to feel terrible about myself and I didn't take into consideration any of the things I had going for me I had had a wonderful husband still do Mm -hmm. um and I had three wonderful kids and still it was just it just wasn't enough I looked at my work mm-hmm. and decided you're a failure mm. you've done nothing it, it just oh 
and I just went into this deep depression. Wow. And 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 I just I just felt so bad about myself. I felt really, really terrible. And it was literally it's when I hit 40. I felt fine when I was 37 or 38, 39. <laughs> and then 40s. Like, <gasps> mm-hmm. That number made all the difference to wow. my psychology mm-hmm. in my head. And I just thought, oh, you've got nothing. Mm. So you went into this depression or whatever but what dawned on you did you feel that by age 40 you should have accomplished more okay I thought by 40 I would have had this um, distinguished career I would be sort of you know I don't know known or you know established in some way and I just thought your career is bumping along the bottom (laughs) It's just like, what have you been doing with your life? And it made me get a grip, but in a real negative way, though, not in a positive way at all, in a real negative way. I kind of looked at everything and and I just thought, you've got to do much better than this. This is terrible. Wow. So I know that you probably felt that way because when you were younger, you were interested in being an actress, right? Mm. When you were in high school, but your parents, like many would back then, Ah, you know, discouraged ah, you from following that path. Right? Yeah. How did that affect you? And what did your work life or your career look like after you graduated from high school or college, since you couldn't yeah. follow the path you really wanted to follow? I think lots of the things I wanted to do, I didn't get to do. I, I, I was so good at acting when I was at school. I didn't get to do that. I was so good at athletics as well. And I held the 100 meters record in our county for for years. And I really wanted to go to the Olympics. I wanted to train as an athlete and go to the Olympics. I couldn't do acting. I wanted to do Olympics. But growing up in a Christian household, it's just like we were always on church on Sunday and the track meets and stuff were always on Sunday. Mm -hmm. So, you know, nobody was around to take me. No one. And it's just like, so I ended up just thinking, oh, okay, can't do that either then. And then we had to go to church instead. And it just meant that all the things I was really good at, I couldn't do any of them. And so I just ended up just doing something just because. My father said to me, you must, 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 must at least get some kind of skill. So I went to college and I learned how to type. Mm-hmm. And and I thought, well, I'll just learn to type. because, And then I can say, I can type. And he'll go, okay. <laughs> if I can't say something, he'd be like, what's your skill? So, um. I learned to type and then I became a secretary and I hated it. I absolutely hated it. Mm. And I think that's why I was so unhappy. And and because I I didn't want to be a secretary and Mm. it was just a sensible job. And and I got a sensible job um, in order to just not be unemployed (laughs) and so that my dad, you know, wouldn't be on my case. But I hated it and I hated every moment. But and I hated the the career path where it took me. It didn't take me anywhere. It bounced me from being one secretary to another, from a from a secretary to a PA, and a PA to you know maybe you got maybe I got I think one time I got as far as an executive assistant or something. But it was still very much running around and doing this and doing carrying and fetching. It it wasn't I wasn't creating in any way. I wasn't really living. I was just kind of surviving and I I just hated it. Mm, Wow. Did you have any resentment toward your Christian upbringing? Because I was born and raised in church as well. So did you have any resentment there because of you not being able to pursue your, at least your athletic dream? 
Yeah, do you know, I wasn't resentful. I It was more disappointment okay. than resentful. I wasn't resentful. I wasn't angry. I kind of understood, but it still wasn't good enough to understand it. It was, yeah, it was lots and lots of disappointment. And every time I watched the Olympics, I would sit there and think, and I say to my dad, I said, you know, I should have been there, right? <laughs> I said, every four years, we would have the same conversation every four years. And um, and he would nod and he would say, yeah, 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 yeah. But I mean, you get older and you get older and then you just, you just can't do it anymore. You're just too old. Mm-hmm. Don't wow. run with these young people who are 60. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so you went from job to job, you know, when yeah. you're in your 20s and 30s. So you did mention, you know, mm-hmm. after you turned 40, you went into a depression for months. Yeah. And you, you essentially felt as if you hadn't accomplished enough career-wise. Yes. So what sparked, you know, at that particular point? I The, the thing that happened was in my 40s, probably about mid-40s, I was diagnosed with cancer. Mm. I had cancer in my stomach, a huge tumour in my stomach. Mm-hmm. And I managed to beat cancer simply by the grace of God. Honestly, it was nothing but the grace of God. And coming out, when you have a life-altering event in your life, when you literally, you're on the edge, it could be life, it could be death, mm-hmm. um, it makes you get a grip of your life. And then I I looked at my life again in the same way that I looked at it when I was 40. But this time it was completely different. I looked at it from a through a positive lens. And I thought to myself, you have a second chance. You have another opportunity to live. What are you going to do with it? Mm. What are you going to do with it this time? Imagine you have a clean piece of paper mm-hmm. and you're starting from scratch. What are you going to do with it? You have no limitations. Just dream. And that's exactly what I started to do. I started to write down on a piece of paper all the things I wanted to do, all the things I thought, well, if, if, and people say, what, what would you do if you could do something and you thought you could never fail? And in in order for your brain to really start churning out the ideas. And I and I started to write them down and I really started to go wild. And I just I started to write them down. Yeah, I want to be a doctor. And I want to be this. And I want to be that. I want to run a children's charity. And I want to act. And I, want to, and I wrote them all down. And they all seemed very bizarre. <laughs> and they all seemed out there. Really, really out there. And then, but I said to myself, why not me? Mm. Why not me? What what makes me different to anybody else? And and I remember saying to myself, Oprah Winfrey have the same 24 hours that I have. Wow. She doesn't have any more time than I have. She's got more money, she's got more contact, but she doesn't have more time. Mm. You know, what what are you gonna do with your 24 hours today? has been allocated to you for this day. Because the decisions you make today, Pearl, will affect where you end up tomorrow Mm. and where you end up next week and next month and 10 years from now. It's what you decide in this 24 hours today. Okay. And I thought to myself, do you know what? I'm going to make each 24 hours count. Mm. That's what I'm going to do. How do you eat an elephant 
one bite at a time. One bite at a time. So I, I love it. You know, if, if I make this 24 hours count, I can build on that tomorrow. And I can build on that the following day. And I, and I look back and I've, I've got a week where I've actually been productive. Mm-hmm. And I've been creative. When I started to just sit and think, I thought to myself, I could actually create anything I put my mind to. Mm. And then especially worse, when you consider yourself as a child of God, and then as a child of God, we are children of the creator. Yes. So as children of the creator, we have that creative ability. Do you, do you know what? It's almost jacket. It's like when the penny starts to drop, you know, and then and then you think to yourself, I could do that. <laughs> Even if I can't do that, I could try and I fail and I could get up. I could try again. I mean, hey, you know, it, would it be the end of the world if, if I failed and I tried a second time or a third time and a fourth time? No. And cancer does that to you. It makes you realize that at the end of the day, half the things that we don't do is because we talk ourselves out of them. Now, that's a word right there. We talk ourselves out of them. I say to people all the time, this is what I say to them. I say, when when you, I said, have you ever sat down one day? I mean, with childlike, childlike, and you see yourself doing something. And then you say to yourself, almost like you shake your head and you go, No, 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 don't be silly. Okay, no, no, (laughs) don't be silly. Mm -hmm. And you backtrack from that thought because now you're talking yourself, because now you're being rational Mm -hmm. and now you're thinking of all the things you have to do and I've got church and I've got work and I've got kids and I've got house and home. So now the thought becomes more and more distant, more and more distant. I said to him, what if God was literally just showing you something and he pulls back the curtain and he shows you something? And he closes it again and he almost like a peekaboo. <laughs> peekaboo. And he shows you something. And the whole point of him doing that is for you to see something that's buried down inside of you. Wow. And that all you need to do is dig for it. Mm. People say to me, well, because I, I go from one thing to that, I go down my list and I tick lots of things off. And I'm now this, and I've done that, check, and I've done that, check, and I've done that, check. And they said to me, how many things do you do? And I says, lots. <laughs> and they say, well, I said, how many more things do you think you can do? I says, I don't know. Because I don't know what else is buried deep inside of me. Mm-hmm. So I need to spend more time, almost like a digger, like an excavator, just digging and digging and find those things. And when I find those little nuggets, I look at it and I go, Hmm. Yeah, I could do that. Mm-hmm. That's so powerful. I mean, because not everybody, of course, when they receive a diagnosis like that and you had stomach cancer, which mm-hmm. is usually fatal, you know, for mm-hmm. many people. What was that time like for your family? I know that it had to be hard on, of course, you, but yeah. you know, you have your husband, your children. I'm pretty sure it was very scary for them. It was very, very scary. So did you at any time think, okay, this is it? There were times I thought this is it. And then I thought to myself, do you know what, God? kept saying, I don't believe you've brought me this far to leave me. Mm. And we sing these songs all the time. 
But it's really when something gets down in you and you look at something and you say, when something no longer becomes words, but it becomes life to you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I would say to God, I just don't believe you'd bring me this far because I had, remember I I told you I had three kids. So um, the boys are twins and I died in childbirth. Wow. And they died in childbirth. So all three of us died in childbirth. Whole nother story. Oh my God. But the short version of that story mm-hmm. is that God brought us all, all three of us back again. Mm-hmm. So when I look at situations, I look back at that situation and go, why would you bring me back from that mm. to make me fall over at this? And it just strengthens you. And then you go, no, I just don't believe it. I don't believe it. And I don't know where it comes from, but I look at situations and I just go, no, no, I don't believe it. Mm-hmm. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I don't believe you brought me this far to leave me. No, I don't. Mm. And somehow... By the end, by the grace of God, he gets me through. He just does it over and over again. The the third child, so the two boys are twins. Mm -hmm. The third child is my daughter, who we had just adopted. Mm. I have adopted daughter. She came to us when she was three. On her fourth birthday, we had her birthday party in my hospital room after my operation. Wow. And they took out the the huge lump. I didn't want her to feel that because when you when you adopt a child, they they move you from the foster home into your permanent and oh and in England they call them your this is your forever family. Okay. And 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 we're not going to move you on again. You're not going to foster child and moved on from home to home to home. This is your forever family. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want her to think that she had landed in her forever family. And one year later, I was going to die. Wow. Mm -hmm. So I made a point of having a big birthday. It wasn't big. It was just us family. But we made a big thing of it. Yes. We made a big thing of her Mm -hmm. in my hospital room to take her mind off the fact that I was in a bed with Mm -hmm. 12 drips in my body. Mm. (laughs) And we were cutting cake and singing happy birthday. Wow. (laughs) See, that's something that only a mother, you know what I mean? That's, that's <laughs> talk about sacrificing. And oh my gosh. Yeah. So beautiful. Yes. yes that's yes. so beautiful. Wow. Because I didn't want her to worry. I didn't want the boys to worry. I didn't want my husband to worry. I'm like, God's got this. It's okay. Look, we're getting through this. Let's have a party. Yeah. <laughs> and we did put on some music and, and we cut cake and we and we had some. Yes. Wow. That's so beautiful. I love it. I mean, and what a testament it is to just, you know, your strong will and your faith, right? Mm. Your faith, Mm -hmm. knowing Mm. that, okay, you brought me through that. You brought me through that. You brought me through that. I just refuse to believe that (laughs) you're going to leave me now. See, now you're starting to preach. And my thing (laughs) is, you know, I won't have to give you an offering. Because you are helping somebody right now, seriously, because I think doctors have said that 
over mm. the years, that mindset, when you're going mm-hmm. through something like that, is everything, right? Mm-hmm. Your mm-hmm. faith, your mindset is everything because everything starts in the mind first and you held on to your faith. So, that's right. That's right. Man. Oh, I know. For sure. For sure. For sure. For sure. And I know that that's <laughs> your testimony. And it's such a wonderful, beautiful testimony. And so after the diagnosis, after you beat cancer and you were now, you were then cancer free, you decided to change course. Yes. What was your biggest why? I know you made this list and you wanted to, you know, conquer the world. What was your biggest why after you beat cancer? I wanted to make sure if I was going to stay on the earth, I wanted to make an impact. I didn't want to be born, live and die. And nobody remembers me. Hmm. Nobody remembered what I did, what I accomplished. What was the point of my life? Hmm. I wanted my life to have some purpose. I wanted there to be a point of me living. When I'm gone, everybody must miss me. Oh, my God, what are we going to do now? Mm-hmm. Look, she's gone. Well, okay, well, next. Right. You know, I don't, want it, <laughs> I don't want it to be like that. So I thought to myself, well, I want to create an impact. What can I do? What can I do that I can help somebody else or transform something or someone? And when it's all over, I can look back mm-hmm. and go, yeah, that was good. Mm. Well done, you. Well done. Tap myself on the shoulder. (laughs) Well done, you. (laughs) So you actually did exactly that. So, you know, you started a foundation, Mm -hmm. you know, the Jarrett Foundation, your international children's charity. You did work in Gambia and Sierra Leone, but then you wanted to be effective in Jamaica, right? Why was it important for you to make a difference there in particular? My parents are Jamaican. Mm-hmm. I was born in the UK. Yes. Um, um, my husband was born in the UK. His parents are Jamaican as well. Ooh. So it was just like, you know, my parents, they came to the UK after the war to build the country. It was flattened after the war, the Second World War. Mm-hmm. And and the, the UK government went to Jamaica and said, come to England, everybody, come to England. The streets are paved with gold. You can make a fortune. <laughs> come on. We look after you. We love you. And they came and they were just like, what is this place? You know, it was cold. They did come from the sun. It was cold. And and nobody, they didn't recognize their qualifications or anything. So they gave them the menial jobs, the cleaning, the they were the cleaners and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, they came across as teachers and they looked at their qualifications and said, no, we don't recognize those. And just gave them you know, clean that, dig that, you know, do this and do that. Mm. And they built this country. Mm. And then I thought to myself, do you know what? I really want to make a difference here. But I feel that as a product of my parents and the hard work that they've done for this country, it's time I went back to my roots mm-hmm. and did something there and say, mm. okay, it's almost like a full cycle. Yes, I love it. That's such a beautiful <laughs> story. I mean... <laughs> to know that Jamaican people, you know, went to the UK and mm-hmm. essentially built it, you know, because that's the built story it. of the US, right? That black people built this country. Built it. <laughs> you know, enslaved Our people. parents did the jobs mm-hmm. that nobody else wanted to do. They couldn't get the the English people to do. Mm-hmm. So they brought in all the Jamaicans and people from other Caribbean countries and said, mm-hmm. "Well, you you do them here." Mm. And they were just like 
oh, can't I get a teaching job? I'm like, no, mm-hmm. do this. Wow. That's a whole nother show. I mean, we can talk That's about a whole nother the show. experience <laughs> of being black in the UK. Because <laughs> I think that black people around the world think it's oh, different for whatever reason. If, you know. That's a whole nother show. I mm-hmm. mean, the accommodation they gave them, mm-hmm. the food they gave them, mm-hmm. I mean, the everything. It was like, they had signs up on the windows if you were trying to look for somewhere to rent and it would say no Irish, the only people that hated like black people was the Irish, no mm-hmm. Irish, no blacks or no dogs. Wow. Yeah. These wow. were the signs that you saw everywhere. So you had to find a home to rent that would take either an Irish person or a black person or a, or a dog. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. So you did, you know, just amazing work in Jamaica. Like I said, mm. you know, I'm kind of want to come away from that because that's a whole show. You can write a book. <laughs> another show. That's everything. Oh my gosh, that's a lot. We got to talk about that, yeah. off, you know, on the side. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you, you know, you did such wonderful work in Jamaica, but what really inspires me and impresses me so much is that you developed a sustainable water ecosystem which can mm-hmm. basically provide water every day out of thin air and it's powered <laughs> by the sun. How? <laughs> I'm sitting in Jamaica and I'm noticing, oh my gosh, Jamaica goes from floods in the rainy season, a rainy season, lots and lots of rain, flooding, and then rainy season will pass and then they'll have drought. And then they go back to rainy season and go back to drought. I'm just like, and during the drought period, it's very hard, you know, to grow your crops, for schools to be open because there's no water, there's no water to flush the toilets or to cook. or to, there's a, So they're having to truck water across the country, mm-hmm. you know, and, and sort of to just try and keep the, the country running. And I'm sitting, I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, and so they have this thing about water harvesting where, you know, you just put something outside and if it rains, you catch the water. And, you know, mm-hmm. and my thing is, that's not water harvesting. It's a posh name for water catching. Mm-hmm. It's just, <laughs> <laughs> it's water catching. That's what that is. And then I kind of said to myself, it's 2021, one at the time. And I said, we, there's got to be a better way of doing this. There has to be. sitting down having a conversation with somebody and we were laughing and I because and I was saying to her that um, I remembered that in our old house we used to have um, this house and it had mold on the wall so we we got this dehumidifier mm-hmm. and we plugged it in and it would it would draw the moisture out of the air and it would stop the mold so the water would, would catch the water in the morning and then you take the container and you just throw it down the down the toilet and switch it back on and put it back in again mm-hmm. so I laughed and I said wouldn't it be funny if we had like a giant dehumidifier? We solve the world's problems. And we laugh. And we laugh. And she got up and she left. And then I thought, hmm. And I started to research. And then I found something. I just kept Googling and searching and searching. I don't even know what I was looking for, Jacqueline. I had no idea. And I kept putting in giant dehumidifier <laughs> to see what would come up. I mean, random. 
dehumidifier large. I mean, just I just mm-hmm. just random stuff. And in the end, I kept digging and I found something. It's called an AWG. It's an atmospheric water generator. Mm-hmm. And it works the same technology as a dehumidifier. Wow. It pulls water out of the air. But when we would pull water out of the air, as I said, to stop the mold congregating on the walls, and then we throw it away, we discard the water. But this pulls water out of the air so that you can use the water. Mm. It's the same technology. Wow. So we found it. And then and because the electricity in Jamaica is so expensive, it's really, really expensive the energy prices. Hmm. So I just thought, well, this is, we have wall-to-wall sunshine in Jamaica. Why do you need to plug it into the wall? Why can't we just use the sun? Hmm. So I started to look at solar panels. Bearing in mind, Jacqueline, I have no technical knowledge whatsoever. (laughs) (laughs) I am literally just onto something and I am decided I'm going to see if I can solve this problem. So I start to talk to various um, solar manufacturers and this and that. And I managed to find some solar that I really like. It's not the glass square one sort of that you normally get. It that cracks easily. It's, it's another mm. one. It's kind of really ingenious. And I was just like, wow. And if I put that with that, mm-hmm. then this can pull water out of the air. I can power it with the solar. And then I thought to myself, what about when I don't have any sunshine? Hmm. So I started to do some more search and I thought, oh, I need a battery. So I'm starting to talk to people and, and starting to do more research. And I find out that there is this unique solar battery. So I got the water generator. Then I've got the solar that powers it in the day. And then the energy puts energy into the battery, fills up the battery mm-hmm. so that it can power the water generator at night which means you can pull water out of the air 24 7 anywhere wow so no more trucking water across the country no more walking miles to go and find some well Mm -hmm. in africa or something like that i mean literally it it could be transformational so i'm now speaking to you can either i'm talking to people right now and we're cobbling the whole thing together in three individual units and and just here you can just put them together and away you go but what I'm actually doing is putting them together as one unit and combining them like one whole thing and I've got a university that said oh we'll work on that for you I'm like cool oh my gosh (laughs) and and this university is putting it together and and I thought I'll name it I'll call it the sustainable water ecosystem yeah that sounds good that'll do (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah sustainable water ecosystem yeah there yeah there you go why not and why not and literally and that's how my brain functions it just i look at things and i think well what if we did it like this and what if we did it like that and this goes back to the thing i keep saying we are creators mm-hmm. we are creators if we spent less time fussing arguing just stop and think. Yes. And then create. Mm-hmm. That means you sit down with a cup of tea 
whatever it is, green tea or whatever you know, Kool-Aid, whatever, <laughs> and a blank piece of paper and a pen and think. I, you know, I get my best ideas sort of near water. So over the sink, washing up the dishes, mm-hmm. in the shower, I go, oh, we could do this. Oh, we could do that. Like, oh, write it down, write it down, write it down. We are creative beings. And we don't create enough because there's too much clutter mm-hmm. in our heads. Yeah. There's too much. Oh, I've got to do this. And oh, I've got to do that. And oh, if I pick that up, did I pick up that? Oh, I need to go to the store. Oh, I forgot to go to Costco. Oh, da, 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 da. and then there's all this going on. It's like lottery balls. I call them like lottery balls going yeah. around in your head. And if you silence them, mm. silence them mm-hmm. and sit. And sometimes I just put on worship music. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's just instrumental, not even words, just instrumental. Yes. Piece of paper and sit and think. If we did more of that, Jacqueline, we could mm-hmm. solve so many of our problems that we think are insurmountable. They're not. It's just that we don't have the opportunity to create. We need to spend time just silencing the noise and create. Yes. Oh my gosh. I'm so in alignment <laughs> with that. That is so powerful, Dr. Jared. Oh my goodness. That's a word right there. Okay. <laughs> Another word. Another one. <laughs> you know, I mean, after creating a sustainable water ecosystem and just all of these things that just came out of your brain, I think <laughs> about listen, you know, when you were healed from cancer, just I'm getting chills just thinking about that, you know, that you were left here to mm. create something like that. And you mm. wanted to make a difference, right? Mm. That is just so powerful. <laughs> oh my gosh. And as if that was not enough at age 55. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't have anything else to do. Right. At age 55. You decided to revisit mm. your dream of becoming mm. an actress. Yes. Tell us about that. Yes, yes, yes. I thought one day I could still be an actor. I mean, as long as I'm breathing, the only time it's over is when you're dead, cold mm. in the grave. If you're still breathing, you still have the opportunity to fill any of your dreams, mm-hmm. any of them. So I thought, well, I still want to be an actor. So I got on the computer and I found myself a part-time acting school. So I thought, I can't do this full-time. I can't do any other things going on. (laughs) So I thought, I could do it part-time. So I found myself a part-time acting school and I went two evenings a week. Mm. And... I qualified and then I went, I decided to keep going. I went into a second drama school after I came out of that one. And then, yeah, and then I, I managed to get myself an agent. Do you know what it is, right? When I was at drama school, I have to tell you, when I was at drama school, drama school for me was the most intimidating thing I have ever done. Mm. Ever done. Because I walked in, Jacqueline, and Everybody in the class was the age of my children. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everybody, bar one person. I said one person. 
was probably too old to be my child. But everybody else was the age of my children. And I just thought, oh, I thought the ground open up and just swallow me. What what was I thinking? What was I thinking? Pearl, this, this time, this time you come up with the thing that's going to beat you. This time, yes, this right here. <laughs> right. This right here. And I just thought, and then I had to talk to myself. You know, I said, come on, come on. And I said to myself one day, somebody is going to want to cast a mother in a scene. Somebody's going to want a mother. So somebody's going to need someone of your age. Somebody is going to want a mother. She needs to be black. And then you can you can go for that role. Everybody can't be white and 25. Mm-hmm. Because life isn't like that. Right. <laughs> life isn't like that. You're going to want, you're going to want parents. You're going to want grandparents. You're going to want aunties. And I thought to myself, do you know what? Just keep going. Just keep going. It's fine. They can't go for the roles you can go for. And you can't go for the roles that they can go for. So there's space for everyone. Yeah. Oh, honestly, we used to do these exercises, right? You have to do these movement classes sometimes. And they also being so graceful and they would twist around and they'd go on the floor and they'd roll around. I'd look at them. I said, mm, 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 mm. if I get down there, I might not get up. <laughs> <laughs> you just started to look at it a different way. And, and I think it's funny. You said not everybody can be white in 25. I don't think everybody it's... would want to be white in 25. <laughs> See, everybody can't be. They can't be. Because when, when you're trying to make up a family on screen, everybody Everybody can't be white and 25. They can't be. So, you know, so, so. I right, just, that's not the, I what the world get, looks like. Exactly. That's not what the world looks like. Mm-hmm. So once I got that in my head, I thought, okay, stick with it, stick with it, stick with it. And even though I felt old, there were days I just felt so old. They made me feel so old. I felt all frumpy because they were just like, they were so thin and all like stick insects. And I just thought, okay, I don't, I don't, I don't look like these thin people. And, and, and I just thought, it's okay. It's okay. Think big mama's house. Somebody's going to want, somebody's going to want to hire big mama. Just, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Stick with it. Stick with it. It's okay. And I had to really talk to myself and I managed to get through it. And then when I came out of that drama school and I got myself an agent, it took a while. It took a while because there was still just so much. It, I chose an industry that's built on rejection. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like, no, it's like, no, no, don't call us. We'll call you. No, mm-hmm. and then those kind of stuff. So I eventually landed my first big commercial and it was for a bank. Mm. And, and it's NatWest Bank over here. I don't know if you have NatWest Bank over there, but it's 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 a big bank in in the UK. Mm-hmm. And so this, so I recorded this this commercial, and I have to tell you as well, I told no one I was at drama school. No one. I told my husband that was it. I didn't even tell my three kids. Do you know what? I didn't want anybody to talk me out of it. I didn't. And I thought they're going to tell me, oh, what about the charity? What about your studies? What about church? And what about, I call them the what about this. 
<laughs> and I didn't want to hear the what about this. So I told no one. I told my husband and I would sneak out every two days a week, every day and go to this drama class. And then my kids, first of all, they were like, oh, are you off out? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm out. Yeah, I'm just going out. Just, just popping out. And they were like, okay. And then after a few months of this, they, they were like, okay, so you're out again. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> just yeah, yeah. I'm just going out. And they're like, where are you going? I'm just like, I'm going to a meeting. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I'm not lying. Jesus, I'm not lying. I'm going to meet up with my classmates. <laughs> I'm going to meet up with my tutor. It's a meeting. It's a meeting. So that kind of washed for a little bit. And then after a while, they were just like, are you out again? Where are you going? And I said, I'm out, going out. I'm a big woman. Don't ask me no question. Oh, red flag. Red flag. <laughs> now, now they're just like, uh-oh, uh-oh. So... They're talking in the room and my husband was walking past the room one day and he hears them talking and they say, I think mom's having an affair. <laughs> so he comes into my room and my husband tells me and he's giggling. I said, what's the matter with you? He says, the kids think you're having an affair. I said, yep, let's go with that. <laughs> I did as I'm not telling them, I am not telling them, let's go with that version. It wasn't till Christmas Day, right? We're sitting around the table, sitting around, and we're all eating. And I said, okay, I've got an announcement. And they were like, oh, God, she's leaving, she's leaving, she's leaving. And I was just like, I'm not leaving. She's like, I've been at drama school. And they were like, what? You've been where? John, I said, see, this is why I didn't tell you, because you would do that. Mm. And I didn't want you to talk me out. It's if, you, if you'd said that, I would have went, yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. What am I thinking? You know, and no, I didn't want it. I didn't want, I've been talked out of it once. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I wasn't about to be talked out of it a second time. Mm-hmm. So they kind of sort of rolled their eyes a bit and kind of went back to eating or whatever. And then a couple of weeks later, Jacqueline, we're sitting in the theatre and we've all gone to see Wakanda, what's it called? Um, Wakanda. It's not called Black Wakanda. Panther. Black Panther. <laughs> we went to see Black Panther one, mm-hmm. first one, and we're sitting there. And I don't know if you have the same in the theater like we have here. You have all these commercials that yes. come on before the mm-hmm. right. So then my commercial comes on the screen. Oh <laughs> and my big face is on the screen. And then they jump up and they go, that's my mother. And I'm like, sit down, sit down, nobody cares. <laughs> nobody cares. They were so proud, and I was so proud. And people were sending me text messages and WhatsApp. Is that you on the script? Because <laughs> <laughs> I didn't tell anyone. I just wanted them to see it. I wanted them to see it, to just know you can do it. You can. Anybody can. If I can, anybody can. Yeah, and that, that's how I, and that's how, and that's what happened. And then now I, I still, yes. I still do movies and TV and sometimes whatever. Oh I my do. gosh, that right there is such an amazing. <laughs> oh my god, it's hilarious. Number one. Ah, <laughs> oh, And you dear. say, "Oh, they think you have it." Okay, let's go with that. Let's go with that. <laughs> <laughs> otherwise i'm gonna have to give them the real answer and i'm like yes. no i'm not doing it no, no the brilliance of it all because <laughs> i really believe that when people tell this is why i think lots of you know motivational speakers and professionals they say 
you can't tell everybody your mm. dreams because yes, you surely mm. somebody they're going to say, "Oh, you can't do that. Why you know? Why are you doing that? What are you doing?" You know, exactly. And, and you listen to that voice inside. <laughs> you told your husband, who obviously supported you. Oh yeah, hundred. And that's beautiful. That's so beautiful. Your husband of 32 years. Is yeah. It? Oh, my God. He'll be 34 years. Oh, wow. He's my biggest cheerleader. I told him I'm going to get him some pom-poms. <laughs> That's all he needs now. And he could just be one of those cheerleaders. Oh, my God. Universities and colleges. I said, that's all you need now. And you're good to go. Oh, my Bless goodness. Him. Wow. So you are, you're 60 now. Right, yeah, just turned sixty. Oh, ah, maybe goodness. six months ago now. <laughs> <Goodness> ah. <laughs> so you are sixty. You are now a working actress. You're running this wonderful Ooh. foundation. You're a wife of thirty-four years, a mother of three children. Yeah. What's your biggest inspiration? My biggest inspiration. That's wow. That's a good question. Who inspires me? Do you know what? My husband inspires me. Mm. He's, he's, he's such a good person on lots of levels. You know, he, he's, he's good at business. He's a good husband. He's a good father. You know, he's, you know, he loves the Lord. He's, he, he just, he does, he just ticks a lot of boxes. And when you consider where we started and we had absolutely nothing, I mean, when I say nothing, I mean, absolutely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nothing and we're still not you know we're not rich at the moment but oh gosh but that's coming that's coming yes. well, that's that's, coming. there you go yes but he has been consistent for 34 years he's never changed he's just been my rock mm. and i and i think when you find somebody like that it's you know that's rare mm-hmm. yeah he inspires me by just being just just being him and I say to him, just, just, just be you and don't change. Just never change. Mm, that's so <laughs> beautiful because so many, so many women, um, people probably in general, you know, when it comes to their partners, probably could not pursue mm. everything they want to pursue. And the partner yeah. just says, okay, you know, I'm here to support you because oh, yeah. a lot of times they'll be like, no, you have to do this or why mm-hmm. are you going to do that? But to have that solid support from your husband, that is truly beautiful. And there's a song, you know, I'm everything I am because you love me. And she sings. <laughs> everything. Ooh. And I say to him sometimes, you know, I can only be me because you let me be me. Oh. You know, oh I can goodness. I can be, and people are like, oh my God, you're so this, you know. And I thought to myself, I can only do this because he is my rock and he cheers me on and he encourages me and he goes go on I want nothing oh I can't do it he goes yes you can you can go and I'm everything I am because he allows me to be me what a blessing that's truly a blessing so you have done so many amazing things (laughs) after the age of 40 after the age of 45 (laughs) after the age of 55 (laughs) what's next for you I feel strangely that my 60s is where I really become established. That's how I feel. I feel that um, 
from 40 onwards, from sort of 45 onwards, I've been, okay, I've been doing this, I've been doing that, and I've done that for five years, or I've done that for 10 years, or whatever. But this now, I feel it's almost like where I thought I would have been in my 40s when that person, that person, and I thought, well, you're not that person, what do you have? And in my 60s, I feel I will become that person, mm-hmm. that person that's established, that person that has some roots, that person, when I stand and when I say something, it means something, you know, and it's it's not just somebody saying something because they, they have a YouTube channel or something. It, it's somebody that when you when you say something, it has weight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how I feel. I feel in my 60s is when I become established. Yeah. Absolutely. When you say something, it has weight now. I mean, I can talk to you forever. <laughs> I think kind of because I have never been to Europe. You know, I've never been to the London. I've never so I know. Oh my gosh! When you come to London, I am going to be your host. Yeah! Oh, I love it. We are going to put on our sneakers and we're going to run around and we're going to go to Buckingham Palace, Big Ben. We're going to be everywhere. We're going to get all these hopper bus things and we just jump on and off the bus and just come and just eat. I love it. Pictures and jump back on again and double decker buses, the big red buses. Yes! 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 Bring your daughter. We can work on her English accent. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so I'm going to ask yeah. you a couple more questions that I asked all of my guests. Okay. What are some of the biggest advantages of doing what you do at your age now? And what are some challenges? I think the advantage is I've been through so much. Mm-hmm. I've been through so much. I have a lot that I can pull on. I have a lot of experience that I can pull on. I think when you're younger and you think you know everything, you don't, you know, keep that to my children when they want to, but it's like this, this is how it goes. I said, mm-hmm, keep living. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> keep living. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> well, I'll ask you the same question 10 years from now mm-hmm. and we'll, and we see what you say. Um, the disadvantage is that I think, I think my body my body, my body tells me how old I am. <laughs> my my mind thinks that I'm 40. <laughs> and my body says, really? <laughs> That's the disadvantage. Yeah. I try. I still try and keep active. I walk. And every now and again, I go to the gym because I actually like going to the gym. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I, I quite like walking because I think more when I when I walk outdoors yeah. mm-hmm. I love walking in nature yeah, yeah so yeah. you know I've heard once that the vibration in nature is perfect so mm. if, you're, if you're feeling some type of way just take a walk in nature and it yeah. will change yeah. your whole yeah. and I just feel like we are just kind of basking in God's yeah. glory and the his yeah. wonders you know at that, that. that point yeah. and that's why I tend to do that if it's not rain oh London likes to rain a lot but if it's not <laughs> raining then I, I I try and go for a walk if it's not raining and if it's raining then I then I'll go to the gym but yeah. that's a second choice yeah yeah all right so last question hmm. what advice do you have for women who are over 40 but believe their best years are behind them I said uh, you're talking yourself out of your best life that's what you're doing you're talking yourself out of being who god has created you to be just stop thinking negatively think of all the things 
that as a child you thought, I gosh, I'd love to do that. And then just do it. Just one day just said, I'm going to do that. Reinvent yourself. Reinvent yourself. You don't have to reinvent yourself completely and totally like today I'm one person and tomorrow I'm completely a new person. No, it might mean that you just add a new facet to your life. Mm-hmm. Just something that, you know, I've, I've always wanted to do X. I've always wanted to be a singer. I've always wanted to have an album with my name on it. Go and find yourself a studio. Go and find yourself a producer. Go and find it and go and record that song. And now mm-hmm. you're a singer. Now you're a recording mm-hmm. artist. You don't need Sony to do that. Mm-hmm. Just do it. Exactly. I know all about that one. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> you know, and, and we can just be, just be, take little, little steps. And, I, and, I, and I'm running a program at the moment, just launching a program to help women to just find a new thing about you that you want to bring out of yourself and you want to reinvent yourself. But as I said, it doesn't have to be a complete reinvention, just another arm, another facet of yourself. And it's, um, yeah, I've just literally, just literally just put that out. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, I love it. Well, how can people find you or get in touch with you? Because surely after listening to you <laughs> talk, I mean. <laughs> find me, hook me up on LinkedIn. So you'll find me Pearl Jarrett on LinkedIn, but also uh, I have a new website that's just gone up. So you'll find me at pearljarrett.co.uk. And Pearl is just P-E-A-R-L as in the stone. And Jarrett is J-A-R-R, two R's and E, two T's. pearljarrett.co.uk. Okay. I love it, Dr. Jarrett. Thank you so much for sharing your 40 plus power with us today. It's been a true joy and pleasure. Oh, and thank you for having me. You have been such a joy. Thank you so much. Bless you. Dr. Jarrett continues to make a difference through the Jarrett Foundation, the nonprofit organization she founded, and the very one that has changed the water system in Jamaica. To find out more about Dr. Jarrett and the Jarrett Foundation, you may visit her website at jarrettfoundation.org. For more information about the podcast, send inquiries to info at the40plusfiles.com. You can also follow my blog at wordyprofessor.com. Until next time, 40 Plus Phenoms, keep on shining. The 40 Plus Files podcast is produced by JJA Entertainment, LLC. The theme song, Women Over 40 Doing Extraordinary Things, was written and performed by Jacqueline J. Andrews, and produced by Court Mini Music. Don't be afraid of growing older. Just stand up straight and square your shoulders. And walk right into your power. You're growing up by the hour. Don't be afraid of growing older. Just stand up straight and square
Thank you.